Hey y'all, it's Ashes, and welcome back to another episode of Simply Put. Disclaimer, you are going to hear my kids. It's cold and flu season, my daughter was sick for the last couple of weeks, my son is currently sick, and her preschool teacher is sick, so nobody's in school. I'm going to do the best that I can to edit around it, but sometimes that might not be possible. A couple things have happened in the last couple weeks, and the first of which is I went to the Lizzo concert. And if you follow Simply More, you know that that's been something that was coming. It was something that I was really excited about. Um, as far as her music goes, it's not a genre that I typically listen to, but I really enjoy Lizzo as like a phenomenon. Everything that it is to be Lizzo, um, I enjoy her social media personality. I enjoy the way that she has come up and challenged a lot of people's ideas of what it takes to be successful in the music in industry, fat phobia, um, body neutrality, body positivity, all of that. Um, I also like that she like pisses off white men, like cis white men. Um, that's, that's like one of my favorite parts. But that was a really cool experience. I'm not going to talk about the experience itself past then, but I am going to talk about something that happened a little bit on the way home. And that was not anything to do with Lizzo at all. It was just, uh, it was a situation where somebody being nice uh, could have gotten us all hurt. And then the second thing that I'm going to talk about today is how trying to mend a friendship, the same friendship that I've talked about uh, a lot on here. It's the same friendship that I talked about in why interracial friendships are hard, the same one that I talked about with Oak last year around this time, that will be published either next week or the week after that because it's about um, elections and we're going to do the whole election thing again. Um, and, and it's something that I've referenced on here a lot. If there is a time that I'm talking about racism and friendship, I am talking about this person. And she reached out to me, and we were trying to fix things for the sake of our children, and um, then it switched to, like, let's try to fix things for the sake of us, and this has been a friendship that we've had for a long time that used to be really important to both of us, um, that these past couple years just has not uh, has not been something that's safe for me. Um, we're going to talk about how uh, that went sour because this neutral place that we met in actually was a sundown town, and it was also the um, the former KKK capital of my state. And that's not to say that one, um, that friend is responsible for my safety at all. I'm gonna talk about why I trusted that. I'm also going to talk about why the things that she did in order to make sure that it was safe for me um, wasn't enough. And, that's going to take a while. It's going to take a while because I'm going to talk about data sets and all of these other things. Um, but first and foremost, before I talk about any of this, I mentioned it before, it is incredibly important to understand that at the end of the day, I am the one who is responsible for my own safety. So y'all have been really critical of this friend in the past. It's been incredibly deserved. Um, however, this is one of those situations where I trusted something that I shouldn't have and it could have blown up in my face. So let's get down to business. We were walking back from the Lizzo concert and we were dressed 
for the concert that we were going to. So we were walking back to the Airbnb and we received a lot of comments from people, both men and women, like about the way that we were dressed and they were all positive and it was all in good fun. And that's something that a lot of us don't usually hear. So it was like really cool in that sense. But there were definitely a couple of of guys who had stopped us and were just like legitimately interested in like, oh, where did you come from type thing. Pretty harmless, uh, not a big deal. But then we left those two pretty harmless men who were just asking about like how the concert was and whatever. And what a lot of the people that we were with didn't realize was there were actually three people there. It wasn't just the two. Um, there was a third guy on the other side of the sidewalk who didn't really interact with us. And I have anxiety. <laughs> um, I'm also the only um, the only person of color who was, who was there. So I'm watching for things in a different way because I recognize that, okay, like we're in Detroit. I look like I go here. I belong here. In the land of who is going to be victimized first, it's not going to be me. <laughs> um, and so we're... We're walking back to our Airbnb and I keep like turning around because that third guy made me super fucking uncomfortable. And I see that that third guy wasn't the one who was following us, but there was another guy who was following us. And so I turn around and I see him and he sees me and like we connect And I turn right back around and keep fucking walking because I didn't like the vibes that homeboy was giving out. And so walk, walk, walk. He starts yelling to us. And I'm trying to like quietly communicate that we need to continue to walk and not turn around and not interact with this guy. And um, I see Alicia up front kind of start to stiffen and she starts to realize the situation and I'm still going. And then the person that I'm walking next to starts slowing down. And I'm like, no, no, we need to keep walking. This is not the place that we're going to do this. We are not like in mid-Michigan anymore. Keep walking. And so then I'm torn because I am the one who is the safest in this situation. So am I going to have to interact with some crazy motherfucker or am I just going to go and just continue to walk? Uh, it turns out I'm just going to stand awkwardly between the group of people who's still walking and the one who turned around to interact with this guy. They're like, oh, he just wants us to follow our YouTube and our, his YouTube. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, and I don't think so, because if that were true, that would have been what he was yelling to begin with. Instead of, um, hey, ladies, come talk to your boy. Or... Hey, what are you what are you doing tonight? I want to come, um, but I'm not exactly in in the business of making uh, people uncomfortable in what could be dangerous situations. So I'm just like hanging out, trying to figure shit out, and he's just like, "No, like I'm not scary. I guess I just wanted I just wanted you to, to look at my to follow my YouTube channel." And he's like stuttering. I'm like, "Okay." Um, so she felt, she stops and she's like interacting with him. She's pulling her phone out, opening her YouTube app, like doing all of these things to, to follow this guy's YouTube account. Um, and then when we get back to the Airbnb, we look up his YouTube account just to see if it's real. And it's got like under a thousand followers. And I have no idea how his videos have as many views as they do because they're awful. But he's very much not somebody who's trying to like entertain people 
he's not actually out there like peddling his YouTube channel. And so that is specifically what I want to talk about. Um, is she was being nice when she turned around to interact with him. He had not decided what was going to happen because he hadn't seen us all up close and seen what was going on. He had no interest in me, which is fine. Um, he very much wanted to talk to um, talk to the women that I was with who had a very specific uh, look to her. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with any of that. I'm not saying that inherently anybody did anything wrong. I'm saying that that was a situation that happened because she was nice that could have gone really bad. Not just because, oh, you were in Detroit, you were with all the black people. Like, no. Um, that is that is a sense of awareness that we need to be having everywhere we go. Not everybody has negative intentions, and I completely understand that. But you cannot be stopping at midnight in the middle of a street when you're in high heels and all of these clothing that you can't run away in to talk to somebody who's hollering at you for three blocks in a row. That is not a, that is not a way to continue to be living. And so I don't go into everything being like, oh, every situation is scary. But it is also really, really important that we read the fucking room. There were people who were very comfortable being in Detroit at night who were uncomfortable. There was a person of color who was also uncomfortable in the situation um, because of the way that everything unraveled. And that was just overall not safe. There are ways to politely... Um, interact with somebody and then keep moving. But what you're not doing is you're not pulling out an expensive electronic thing. You're not sitting there and getting close enough to somebody so that if you get in a situation where they're going to be violent or they're going to steal your stuff or whatever, you're close enough to allow that to happen. It does not matter what we were wearing. We were dressed for the concert that we were going to. Um, It doesn't matter any of that, but it's relevant because most people were in heels or wedges or in something that is significantly more difficult to run in. Most of us are not familiar with that particular area of Detroit, and we definitely weren't familiar with how to get back to our Airbnb from where we were. We were following two other people who were who had it open on like their Google Maps. And so uh, that is a very long-winded way of saying, don't fucking do that. Don't do that. And people who are genuinely trying to connect with you for those types of reasons originally totally exist, but they will also understand that there are situations and there are people that that sort of activity makes them feel unsafe. So they're not going to chase you for a couple of blocks yelling at you. They're going to let you go because they're aware that socially um, there are only certain people who are going to take them up on that. And they're fine with rejection. And having seen his YouTube channel, I don't think that he's going anywhere. But, like, I genuinely hope that that something good comes of that. So now let's go down to uh, the Sundown Town situation. I've gotten a couple of new people since I originally talked about Sundown Town. So I'm just going to give a quick rundown of what Sundown Towns are and then start start my explanation of how I ended up in one. So, sundown towns are are places that if you are a person of color, it is safe, safe, 
for you to be in during the day because you're working. You are providing a service to the community. But once dust hits, you better be getting your ass out of town because everything that typically protects people, laws against assault um, of all sorts, so rape, murder, um, just getting the shit beat out of you, etc., are are kind of off the books if you're a person of color. And so the sheriff's department that started out as um, a way to find black people, um, the star was a slave catcher star. And I've got plenty of things where I go into that. But um, the idea is after dark, bad things can happen to you and nobody gives a shit in sundown towns. And why that is important is because, oh, well, sundown towns don't exist anymore. First off, yes, they do. And second, even if they don't exist in the sense of people won't take your statement, if something happens to you or you may not die, what does happen is you have people who have lived there for generations who have lived there specifically because it was a sundown town who are then on the sheriff's department or the police department, like whatever you have in your county or your community, you have um, those people who are in the positions in the courtroom. So they're the judges. Your jury of your peers is no longer a jury of your peers. They're a jury of people who come from people who have lived there because it's a sundown town. So it just creates this horrible microcosm of, okay, it's not a sundown town, but you will never get any sort of justice for crimes that happen to you in the community because everybody who lives there is inherently racist. They're either racist themselves, know and love somebody who's racist, so they enable that racism, or they're an apologist for racism. Okay, well, it's just a sign of their times. Okay, that may be true, but it is not a sign of these times. Oh, baby's got hiccups. Um, it's not a sign of these times, and yet we still are here perpetuating the racism of our fathers, grandfathers, etc. Those people who have burnt crosses, those people who have attended lynchings, those people who have pieces of of African-American history inside of their homes, pieces of their shirts, their, their slave papers, all of this documentation that tells people about their families and where they come from is passed on like a family heirloom of racism and garbage. Those are the people who live in sundown towns. We are not far enough removed from sundown towns proper to think that the people who live in there, who have lived there for generations, have just magically become not racist. They tolerated it back when it was popular. They tolerated it once it became unpopular. They tolerated it once they were burning crosses and hanging black people. And now all of a sudden, because it's 50, 60, 70 years later, those people who were alive for that, who raised their children there, have somehow changed their tune. Absolutely not. Before I get into this, I want to reiterate one more time and probably five more times after this. It is my responsibility to make sure that the places that I am going are safe for myself and my children if I'm bringing my children. This time, I didn't end up bringing my son because um, my daughter had been sick at the beginning of the week and the person that I was meeting up with has immunocompromised children. So I wanted to make sure that Rue's COVID test came back negative before I even like finalized the agreement that I was going. So I had taken it off our family ca- calendar pending 
Ruth's test. And in that time, my husband had been away. He came home, saw that there was nothing on the calendar, and made plans to take my daughter with one of his friends and his friend's son out um, on a play date that involved water, which meant that my son couldn't go. So he was not originally intended to be there. It was a last minute decision. First off, why did I not check? I didn't check. I didn't do my due diligence, not because my kids were sick, um, but because this is somebody who we used to go away and like do a girls weekend getaway together like every month for, you know, the majority of a summer. And part of that was um, them picking a place and then just running a hotel room and just spending the weekend like doing makeup and watching movies and eating food. Um, and so part of them figuring out where we went involved making sure that it was safe for me. And even then I still would have checked, except we were gonna add somebody else to our weekend getaway and like make it an actual vacation. It's so like a week long. And while we were all kind of brainstorming where to go, um, the other person involved had mentioned someplace that was like historically not safe for people of color. And my friend was just like, well, no, like we cannot just go places. We have to make sure that they're safe for the other people who would be coming. And that's not a place that, that's not a place that Lynette can go. Um, so that in and of itself, I was like, okay, this is something that they're actually taking seriously and they're paying attention to. And, um, and it's something that's important to them when planning. My fault, I didn't check. And I think it's funny because every podcast that I talk about, um, that I talk about this person in, that I reference this person in, I'm always torn because this person is somebody who pushed me every week to put out content, who I very frequently would draft my podcast and then read it to them while they were on their way to work before I recorded it to make sure that it sounded right or would help me come up with ideas for articles. And I still pull from that list even now, even two years after the last time that I would call us friends. So it's somebody who has been enmeshed in this for a really long time, but it's also somebody who a big part of the reason why our friendship fell apart is racism, is the idea that her white woman tears weren't working on me. Because as I, as I grew to become the person who I am now, who is very different than who I was two, two years ago, um, has has grown to push back on those things like oh you're crying because you did something that was harmful to me well that's really fucked up um let's just sit down and go back to me like I'm not going to continue to comfort you because your feelings are hurt because I told you that you did something harmful I'm not going to entertain that we're gonna talk about it or we're not going to talk and that's not something that I would have done before. That's not something that I did before. Or I don't know that we would have gotten to the point in our friendship where we were doing, like, weekend girls getaways. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a friendship that I do miss. It is their interactions that I miss. Even now, two, two years later, I'm, I am still seeing things. And I'm like, man, like, I want to send this to a wait 
I forgot. Or, oh, hey, like I should message this. Oh, wait, no, I can't because I blocked them on this past, on this, on this social media account, or I um, removed them as a follower from TikTok, or I, uh, I unfollowed them and then went on to block or unfriend them on whatever situation. So like this friendship not being a friendship is, is more than that. And at this point, it's not a friendship on principle of me because I can either accept, accept this sort of toxic white woman bullshit that I'm going to have to play along with or I'm just not going to have anything because this person is not going to change. And I'm not willing to do that because I'm not the person who I was two years ago. I don't have nice people in my life anymore. I have kind people and the kind of niceness that this person demands of me is not, is not something I'm going to continue to doing because that type of niceness is the type of niceness that the idea of the KKK was founded on. It's the type of protection that is given to white women from black people. It is this, this personality trait that has been embedded in raising white children from the get-go. And I am not raising those children. I'm not raising white children. I am not a white person. I am the daughter of a white woman who used all of her white womanness to protect me growing up, and it still wasn't enough. So I am not going to surround myself with people who claim to be working on their anti-racism traits but still fall right back every single time something doesn't go their way into levels of white supremacy and then don't understand why somebody who who doesn't benefit from that at all would be pushing back on the idea that this is what's going to happen because it's not and it never will again but I desperately wanted everything to work out and so I went so this idea of we're we're not just going to be friends for the kids we're going to be friends for ourselves and I can't do this via text message so if you if you find some sort of of place in the middle ground between where we live and you plan a day. These are the days that I'm free. You tell me when, you tell me where, and I will be there. And she did. So a couple days before comes and I was like, listen, Rue's COVID test came back negative. She is feeling better. Like, this is what's going on. They're like, okay. Um, like, do you want to go to Lansing or Howell? And I was like, Immediately, I'm, I'm annoyed because the idea was, if you want to fix this, you plan the thing and just, just give me an itinerary. And that's not what ended up happening. Fucking at all. But it's important to this conversation because at the end of the day, like, I didn't care. But I was given the choice between someplace that we had been together before that I knew was safe. And if something happened, I knew enough people there that I would be okay. And this place that I didn't even know where it was. So I like, I was like, okay, hold on, let me look. And then I looked and I just looked to see like how far away it was. I looked on Google Maps. I was like, listen, I don't actually care. I just didn't know where it was. And that was the end of my research about it. 
And she was like, well, like, I can't find stuff to do, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, well, I Google things to do in Howell on this date and things to do in Lansing on this date. And I was like, okay, well, like, there's food trucks and a used book sale, but I don't really know what you think is going to happen. I imagine at least one of us is going to cry, and I'm not trying to do that in the middle of, like, an actual event. Like, please remember, this isn't something that we're just doing for fun. We're not just hanging out. They're like, oh, you know, I didn't think about that. Whatever, whatever. That conversation is important um, because I had the opportunity to actually look into Howell and I didn't. I trusted that this person had looked into that. And so I go and I'm like really confused because first off, there has to be a better way to get there. It took me 22 miles down one of the most dangerous highways in Michigan and then um 30 miles of you go a quarter mile and then you turn you go a quarter mile and then you turn and I I, like I was angry um I was angry by the time I got there not angry at her or at the situation but because you can't tell me that there is not a better fucking way to get someplace than the most dangerous highway in the state like the most dangerous section of highway in the state and then just bullshit there has to be a better way so I was complaining to my husband and he was just like oh you know um, you're going there? And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay. And I didn't understand why he said it like that. And so I'm driving into town and there's this place that's got a whole bunch of cars outside of it. I'm assuming it's some sort of like party, whether it be a graduation party or a fall party or just a barbecue or like people getting together for the fun of it. And there are a bunch of cars parked outside that have white hoods and not just, um, not just, okay, uh, this is a, a hood taken from, uh, the same make and model of car that just happens to be white. Like, this was painted white, like, in some sort of acrylic, probably not acrylic, but you get my point. Um, and it looked bad. I was like, that's, that's weird. Like, that's weird. Why would somebody do that? And I'm like, you know what? We're in bumfuck Michigan. I don't ask questions. Like, they're, they're probably just poor. Like, it's fine. Uh, and I just keep going on my, my merry way. And so I get there and I call her and I'm like, dude, like, I don't think I'm in the right spot. I don't see your car. Uh, I don't see any food trucks. And they're like, no, like I, you probably are. Things are confusing, whatever, whatever. So my son is in the backseat crying. And so I get him out and I'm like, gonna, um, gonna just walk around the parking lot because they said they were, uh, just a mile away. And some people are outside smoking pot in the middle of the parking parking lot, which is is legal in my state. But um, I'm not going to walk around with my four-month-old baby boy in the middle of a whole bunch of people smoking pot. I'm just not going to do that. Uh, So I start walking down the streets, and I'm like, oh, you know, this is kind of a nice town. Um, And it is, like, pretty-wise, not like people. I'm, like, searching. I'm like, you know, it's weird. I haven't really seen anybody who looks like me yet, but that's fine. Uh, there was a really cute historical church somebody was getting married in, so I got to see all of the bridesmaids' dresses um, and the bride, and everything was beautiful and whatever. And finally, we find each other after Google mapping the intersection that she's on, and then I walked her, and like it is what it is. So we go check out, out the food trucks. I decide I'm not hungry, and then we go into this little like farm chic shed garage. Um, building it's a store but it looks like it definitely didn't used to be a store and it's set up everything's really cluttered and everybody's just kind of addressing her and that's fine 
Um, but I go up by the cash register and I'm looking at some jewelry and I'm being very careful to keep my hands on the carrier as I do any time that I'm someplace where there's uh, a lot of stuff packed close together. And, um, and this guy is like making it a point not to look at my, look in my direction, like at all. And I have my headphones in and I don't really care, but I'm like, that's, that's weird. Like you are not looking at me on purpose in a weird way. I used to work in retail. I used to not look at customers on purpose. Um, but you, you, sir, there is something strange about you. I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't want to be here. I am uncomfortable, whatever. So we go and, um, and we find this cute library that has the used book sale. And both of us are very like library conscious. And so we're just like looking around at books. I'm, I don't really care about the sale. I'm just looking at um, things to read. And at one point I actually like sit down and do pull out um, a book to read and read a couple pages, take a picture of it so I can make sure that it's something that I finish in the future because it's something that I really enjoyed. The rest of that part doesn't really matter. But the car with the painted hood and the way that that guy looked at me do matter. So I go home and I had been talking about this, uh, this meeting to one of my other friends for like a week or two um, that I was nervous about it and I wasn't sure how it was going to go. And uh, so like we were checking in on each other. She was doing an Alice thing and I was doing this. And finally, I was just like, yeah, this is where I went. And she sends me this voice message almost immediately. She's like, you went to fucking Howell? This person is trying to fix stuff with you. And she took you to fucking Howell? Howell's like the most racist place in the state. And she's like going on and on. And I'm like, fuck. Like, how bad did I fuck up? And she's like, listen, I've been there. And like, that's not even a place that I want to be after dark. Like, what the fuck, Lynette? Like, why? why did you, why did you go this place? Like, this sounds like this person is trying to get you killed. And I was like, uh, I don't, don't know if that's true. Uh, I, I hope that that's not true. And so I like text my husband and I was like, uh, did you know this? And he's like, yeah. Do you remember last year when I went to that place for work? And I said, you know, I got in an argument with my supervisor because she was sending me in an all black, tr- black crew to the Dollar General there to do inventory, and I said that it wasn't okay, and they weren't safe there, and um, so I was trying to get them switched out to do another job someplace that was equidistance away, so they weren't losing out on uh, travel pay, but that was safe for them to go, and I was like, yeah, I remember you saying that, but, like, you travel to a new place I've never heard of every day, so I didn't think about it, and he's like, oh, no, that was Howell, and I was like, why didn't you tell me? He's like, one, because you hate when I tell you what to do, uh, and two, because I, I really thought that you knew, and you had just made a, um, you had made a conscious decision that you were going to leave the town before sundown, so it was fine. I did make the conscious decision I was going to leave the town before sundown because on the way back from the hospital that week, I had gotten pulled over and the officer was just like, yeah, one of your brake lights is out. And I hadn't got hadn't gotten it fixed yet. So I absolutely wasn't going to be anywhere at night because I didn't want to get pulled over again. He didn't give me a ticket the first time. He just let me know. And I wasn't sure that if I had been anywhere else at any other time, that I wouldn't have gotten a ticket. So now this would be the second time I would have gotten pulled over for the same thing. I'm not getting out of this without a ticket. I'm not taking that chance. Um, so I had planned on being out of there by sundown. And I had planned on being home by sundown. And I was. 
And so I'm like, fuck. So I look it up. I was just like, Howell racism. And I get this article that says Howell used to be considered the KKK capital of the state. And my heart drops because I had told this person, I talk about you a lot in my content because a lot of it is relevant to our friendship struggles. And I know that you don't listen even though you pay for it because you haven't called me on it. And it's not something that I'm doing to be passive aggressive by any means. It's literally just, these are real world examples that I can use to teach because all of you are white people. And for those of you who have people in your life who aren't white or who aren't considered white or don't consider themselves white or even part of like marginalized communities in a whole, it's also really important that you hear from somebody how how these situations affect them. It just so happens that this person has repeatedly been a good uh, teaching uh teaching moment we've had a lot of teachable moments together um so it's not a passive aggressive thing and they're aware of it now and have listened to them so i'm assuming since they haven't told me to stop and i told them that i was going to talk about this that it's fine um but i don't think that it was on purpose and i don't want to think that it was on purpose um so i get I read the article and it talks about how this, there was this man who lived there that was just so fucking racist. And Alex is just like, oh, you know, it's fine. Alex is my partner. Um, Alex is like, you know, it's, it, it was just because of this one guy. And I'm like, but it was more than that. It's not this one guy made this town so racist. It's the people who lived there at a time when picking up and moving was like a thing that could happen and not be so expensive. It was unreachable by many people. He lived there and people chose to stay knowing that that is how, how the town was being associated. Like he was associated with the town so much that it, it made the town considered the KKK capital of the state. And the people who lived there were just, like, fine with it. And so I uh, I kept going. And I looked at the, the resource uh, came up that I had posted last year of Sundown Towns in Michigan. And Howell was on there. So something that I had spent a month talking about, something that I had spent a month talking about the effects of, uh, a resource that I had posted... <laughs> Uh, came up in my search engine, and I looked at it, and I was like, this was my fault. I I had talked about this. I had looked at all of these things, and, and because I didn't pay close enough attention, because I didn't think that I was ever going to go to most of these places, um, I put myself and my son in danger. And there were accounts, that article I think was posted in like 2019, um, but there were accounts of it from like 2015, 2016 about being run out of town or feeling unsafe or, or being refused service at establishments. 
and I could think back to that shopkeeper who did everything in his power not to acknowledge that I existed in a way that let me know that he saw that I existed. And there was a, a part of the article that talked about people would let other people in the town know that they that they rolled with this dude by painting the hoods of their cars white. I was like, oh, I noticed that because it seemed ratchet as fuck. And I was unsafe in that situation. Okay, cool. And this is something that's embarrassing for me to talk about. Not only because I dropped the ball, but because it was something that I focused on so much. And and I had posted the resources that I found about it, like the academic articles um, that I had found were things that I had posted, and they were things that I had read. It wasn't just, oh, I Googled something, and then I just posted links to all of the things that came up. Like, I actually sat down and I read the whole thing and it still wasn't enough because it didn't stick with me. And so I sent the first one, how Howell became the uh, KKK capital of the state. I just sent the article to her with absolutely no, uh, no caption, no explanation, no nothing. I didn't know what to say because I didn't, I didn't think that it was on purpose, so, like, I didn't necessarily think that, like, a confrontation needed to happen, but I also thought it was important that, like, she understood, hey, like, you put me in a situation that that wasn't safe, and, like, she had read it, or, like, opened it, and didn't say anything, so it was, like, 20 minutes later, I was just, like, just a friendly reminder, when you ask me to go places, you need to pay attention to whether or not those are safe places for me to be. And she had sent back, you know, I'm really sorry. Like, it wasn't on purpose. I looked at all of these things. And she had sent me, like, something like neighborhoodwatch.org. Um, and she's like, I looked at the crime statistics and whatever. And I believe her. And this is why that's a problem. And this is what I actually want to talk about. But I can't just be like, let's just talk about fucking numbers. Because that's just obnoxious. First off, the Neighborhood Watch, I've talked about it before, as a whole, was developed by white people, white individuals within neighborhoods who wanted black people out of their towns and people of color out of their towns. So anything that is given to you by a Neighborhood Watch immediately has foundations in racism. I don't expect everybody to know that. That's something that I know. That's something that she would have known if she would have listened to the content that she pays for. Am I salty about that? Yes, I am. Why am I salty about that? Because I'm sure this was incredibly embarrassing for her, but also could have been avoided um, on both of our parts. So 100% my responsibility. Don't get me wrong. Um, But there is blame for both of us. And... So she she tells me specifically about the the statistics. I looked at, you know, crime, I looked at all of these things, I looked at hate crimes. This is why the idea 
of sundown towns and the existence of sundown towns is so incredibly detrimental because I 100% believe that those are what the statistics are. I don't think that they have been padded. I don't think that they have been misrepresented. But being able to read the information that you're given is important. There are likely not plenty of hate crimes recorded there because enforcing crimes and charges related to hate crimes don't particularly happen in sundown towns. And in sundown towns or or towns in general where the history is flooded in racism, you don't have people of color there to add to those statistics. If your entire town is 97% white and the other percentage of white of non-white people um, are aware of the racism within the town, they're very specifically not going places. They're not doing things. They're not putting themselves in situations that could even tangentially make themselves responsible for any sort of crime. So they're not coming up in those statistics. They're not people white people who are committing crimes against minorities or marginalized communities aren't being recorded as hate crimes, even if they are hate crimes. Because, fun fact, you don't actually report hate crimes to your local police station. You report hate crimes to the FBI, and most people don't know that. The FBI realized that there were, well, the government realized that there were a lot of hate crimes that weren't being investigated and weren't being charged as hate crimes the way that they should be. So you actually, um, you report it to to your police department or whatever. Uh, You can, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, Uh, but you actually report it to the FBI. They have an entire division specifically for investigating hate crimes. So you're not having hate crimes investigated by a corrupt department that will never, uh, never do anything to the people who are committing the crimes. It will always be downgraded to something else. Their charges will be lesser. They probably won't see jail time, even in situations where there should be jail time. Everybody as a community will come together to protect the person who committed the crime rather than the victim of the crime. Statistics are important when we talk about almost everything, but it's also really important to understand uh, that even though statistics don't necessarily lie, there are always conditions around that, especially in sundown towns. So that entire thing could have been prevented um, if she had understood numbers and what was actually being recorded but she didn't know. You don't know what you don't know, and that's fine. She would have known if she would have listened, but would she have remembered? How many of you would have remembered one neighborhood watch is based in white supremacy? And two, well, okay, one of you 100% would understand why the statistics were the way that they were, Um, because one of them is a, uh, one of you is a professor at a college Uh, who works in research in biology. So I 100% believe that you would have looked deeper into what those numbers meant because you have been trained to do so. The rest of my uh, subscribers are not. 
and it never would have crossed their mind that it it doesn't show that that there are all of these crimes committed against black people and it shows that this place is safe um they wouldn't have they wouldn't have looked and noticed what that percentage of white people were and looked any further into what those numbers actually represent. So that is all that I'm going to talk about here. I know there's a lot of stuff about me. There's a lot of like really heavy things like one segment ago where I got super emotional about the whole thing. Um, But those emotions, these emotions, the emotions that I'm feeling right now are what happens when the the marginalized people in your life realize that you've overlooked something that maybe you shouldn't have, or you overlooked something that puts their safety in harm's way. And do I regret like me just giving them information and being like, do with this what you will? No, because I never would have gotten anything back that said, hey, like I tried. These are all of the resources that I looked at in order to to make sure that you were safe. It was something that was on my mind. Like, please don't think that uh, I would take you someplace where you weren't safe. I encourage everybody to look at the link that I will post in the bottom of something, probably over on Patreon, um, about sundown towns. Many of you live in sundown towns. Many of you have gone to secondary institutions that are either based in sundown towns or pull from sundown towns. My alma mater does this. I talked to the DEI director as soon as I realized, because I used to work in the admissions office, um, as soon as I realized, hey, like all of these places that you pull in are sundown towns, and that's why you're having the problems on campus that you're having. All of these places. I can't fix the world. What I can do is surround myself with people who want to fix the world. I can put out this type of information so that I don't have to say it more than once. But I can't make anybody internalize it. And I I put forth a lot of personal anecdotes because they work. I get messages quite frequently about, you know, I never thought of it that way. I've heard this information before, but until I heard how it affected you, I didn't understand. So I know there are some of you who don't understand why I, oh, well, you're supposed to teach us about anti-racism stuff, but all of these are personal bits of your life. They are all personal bits of my life. They're all personal bits of how racism affects me. And for the most part, none of the ways that I have ever spoken about racism's effect on my life have been because the person who was being racist in the situation was trying to be malicious. All of you can sit down and say, you know, racism bad, me not want to be racist also want to point out the racism in what I just said and the way that I just said it and the ableism and what I just said and the way that I just said it. Realize that as soon as it came out of my mouth, am I going to cut it out? No, I'm not. Because it's important that you guys understand that I fuck up too, that I have my own things to work on. 
but all of you understand that the concept of racism is bad. But in order to be actually anti-racist, you have to sit down and you have to look at the things that you do that seem like they are, are out of the purity of your heart or that are just not that big of a deal or that couldn't possibly be tied to racism. And you have all of these best intentions and then actually see the other side of that coin where that is perpetuating violence and it's perpetuating racism and it's perpetuating um, white supremacy. And just to wrap this all up, I did have this conversation with this, this same person uh, a couple days ago where I had called them out on something that they told me that they weren't going to do anymore and they did it again. And they're like, okay, well, this, 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 and this. And I was like, listen, I need you, I need you to tell me, is this something that I needed to know? Or is this something that you are telling me because it makes you feel better about what I said to you? And they're like, well, it doesn't make me feel better. Uh, but I see how you would think that. Like what you said where you went on to come up with all of these other reasons why what you said or what you did were okay is a reactive answer and it's a deflection from what the problem is. And I want you to sit down and actually think this through. And I like went through this whole thought process and I ended on, you tried white womaning me. It didn't work. I pushed back, you tried it again, and now you don't know what to do with yourself. So now you're gonna disappear for like a week and you're gonna come back and start a new conversation and just pretend like we never had the information, the interaction that we just had. Look at why that is, because that tactic is what kills people who look like me. That is racism. That is how we teach our children to be racist, to use the, the arguments and the mechanisms of white supremacy and racism within their everyday life. And then when their marginalized community friends or when their BIPOC friends don't respond the way that they have been taught you're supposed to respond, then it's either confusion or it's anger, but either way it's reactive. I didn't care what the answer was, but I needed to know what the answer was in order to come up with a response. But that is enough for today. My tiniest, my tiniest tot is waking up from their nap and I get to go be a mom. So until next time, stay safe.